Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Security Token Show, episode 27. My name is Kyle Sondland, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Herwig Koenigs. Hey, everyone. This is Herwig, and it's a pleasure to be on the show on the 27th time here. And today, later, we'll be talking about secondary market activity in 2019, diving into last year's secondary market activity, specifically talking about the security tokens, both in aggregate as well as in detail, reviewing the tokens that got listed, some of their structures, some performance, and some insights, thanks to Kyle's latest report here. But for those of you new to the show, we do always like to start it out with our companies of the week to discuss who's making the biggest moves in the space last week, followed, of course, by our industry news segment, STO updates, and our market update. With that, Kyle, I'd love to hand it over to you. Who's your company of the week this week? Well, my company of the week this week is, is a company you may have heard of before. We've talked about them on the show in our security token offerings segment, and that is the company Grape, G-R-E-Y-P, but it is pronounced grape like the fruit. And if you don't remember Grape, they're a tech company that is building what they call e-bikes, which are kind of exactly what they sound like. It's bicycles that are integrated with cutting-edge technology. They've got an LED screen that's got navigation on it and all kinds of heart tracking monitors and things to really be able to monitor this. But it also has an electric motor and it's an electric mountain bike that allows you to kind of pedal and stuff. And then as you start to get tired, it gives you a little bit of uh, encouragement, if you will, to help with the process. I know I need one of those. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. It, it seems really, really legit. Uh, the, the team has been funded in an equity round prior by, I think it was Porsche or, or, or a, right. a motor company. Yeah. And uh, the, the bikes that they're building, the products they've already have outstanding are, are of very high quality. It seems legit. So the reason we're talking about Grape today is actually they they launched their STL a few months ago. We, we mentioned it here on the podcast. And they successfully raised a full 1.6 million US dollars in their initial token sales, about 1.4 million euros. They are a European company. And it was just announced this week that their equity tokens, as it's representing equity in the company, has now been released to their investors on the new fund platform. So these tokens are now live. They are liquid. I'm not exactly sure what exchanges they're going to be working with. I've actually reached out to new funds to discuss that. But that shouldn't take away from the fact that Grape has done a fantastic job in not only creating a cool product, launching a successful security token, and now finally completing the process. I do think that they are the first security token out of Europe to complete that full process and have security tokens backed by equity in their investors' hands today. And so it's a fantastic thing. I'm excited for Grape and and, uh, looking forward to seeing what they can do moving forward. Congrats to them for sure. Not an easy accomplishment in the first place to raise a, a million and a half uh, dollars. But on top of that, congrats also to the new fund platform for, for helping operate that transaction. And, you know, actually those are some pretty cool bikes. So really cool all around. And I'm looking forward to see those market uh, those tokens hitting the market in the future. Absolutely. How about you, Hurry? What's, what's got your eye this week? Well, there was a, a lot of news regarding Securitize and a company called Alto IRA recently, mm-hmm. Kyle. 
uh, as of January 14th, actually, security tokens have officially reached retirement accounts for the very first time. The really? deal involves Securitize, Alto IRA, and CityBlock Capital. And individuals have an option to invest in those CityBlock security tokens through an individual retirement account, aka an IRA. And that's, of course, managed by Alto IRA. So actually, for those of you who might be confused, Alto IRA is my company of the week. In fact, I've been familiar with the team and the technology for some time now, uh, as they've also been very active in the equity crowdfunding space. They really make it possible and very easy for anyone with an IRA to invest in private equity, venture capital, real estate, cryptocurrency, and other alternative assets uh, through the, the IRA model. And of course, now, as of last week, they've now made it possible for STOs as well. So really, congratulations to the Alto IRA team and, of course, to everyone else involved in this transaction. Looking forward to more and more people leveraging the Alto IRA product to invest in security tokens as the year goes on. That's great news. I think that, as we say over and over and over, it's all about that infrastructure. It's about building a sustainable financial structure. And we're talking about real financial products that would make sense in an IRA. So it's, it's cool to see that we're starting to really permeate that traditional financial space. And it really does make sense, Kyle, because this is why it's been so great for the equity crowdfunding industry as well, but as well as for STOs, is that these types of investments may still have a long lockup period or may still have a long harvest time period. So using capital in your IRA that wasn't you know, really on top of your mind before to invest in these types of opportunities is really great. It's going to unlock a lot more capital into the space, I believe. So again, congratulations to Alta IRA and to Grape for being this week's Companies of the Week. With that, Kyle, I'm going to jump right into the industry news, leading off with some pretty major news here. New York-based RFR Holdings, which actually also owns the Chrysler building as of March of 2019, recently agreed to sell its majority stake in a commercial property in Zurich in Switzerland to a company called Brickmark, which is a real estate agency with offices both in Switzerland and in Germany. Brickmark confirmed that roughly 20% of the purchase price will actually also be paid in the firm's BMT security token, which is a security token backed by an underlying fixed income bond. Wow. And Brickmark's Ethereum-based tokens are a hybrid digital securities tokenized perpetual bonds that will be then backed by property in the Brickmark portfolio, which for now is just this one building. So it looks like they've, they've tokenized this building out of Zurich, their stake, and a portion of it will be actually going back to the original seller here as well as the rest obviously being paid likely in traditional securities and cash. And furthermore, it also RFR will be sticking along. They actually still own, I believe, a portion of the investment, although uh, Brickmark has a right to buy that on the future. But regardless, they'll be involved, RFR helping with redevelopment plans to expand the Zurich property in order to increase the value in rents, of course. And finally, some more news from Brickmark here is the company expects to close a $50 million financing round to help it acquire more properties and, of course, which it will then uh, stake more BMT tokens for its portfolio. So uh, I certainly think this is very cool news. One, because this is definitely a, a prime piece of real estate. Uh, but on top of that, I expect this concept of, of real estate portfolios being pegged to a specific security token 
uh, becoming increasingly popular this year, Kyle. In fact, you know, we've talked about it quite a bit ourselves, and this model just proves it more and more. I expect we're going to see more real estate companies and investors leverage this type of model. I totally agree. It's, it's interesting. Let's, let's break this down just a little bit. So 20% of the purchase price is paid in the security token. And then the security token is backed by an underlying fixed income bond. But the fixed income bond is collateralized by the total portfolio, which may grow over time based off of the additional assets that they'll grow in the portfolio. And then as they sell those assets, that will return the coupon to the investors potentially, which is that is what backed by this purchase in this also property. That. Right? right? Is that is that exactly. kind of where we're at? So you know right. you have a fifth of it being paid for in a security token, and that fifth is a, a you know a bond that pays off over time, and presumably the remaining eighty percent purchase price can cover that 20% right. bond, or it will have to be required that they, they add more properties, like you suggested, which the company has announced they plan on doing. Cool. So uh, I think awesome. it's, it's, a, it's a very great model. And hey, if they can raise $50 million in a financing round to, to grow this, that's awesome. They've already launched their token. They're already trying to use that for their acquisitions. So if they can, can keep the momentum going, it seems like uh, it's a pretty promising thing moving we'll, forward. We'll definitely keep an eye on it. Next up... We have some big news out of Israel. The Israeli Securities Authority announced that the country would actively pursue the development of a security token trading platform. Aside from actually promoting the security token technology use case, the ISC also wants one of these locally based firms in Israel to step up and develop a next gen security token trading platform. The ISC believes a neutral approach is best when dealing with new technologies such as security tokens. And importantly, the group continues to show a hardline stance on certain requirements such as anti-money laundering, customer protection, and of course, market stability. But Israel has, otherwise known as the startup nation, always been very tech-friendly and adoptive. So this, to me, comes to no surprise. And both Kyle and I are aware of a number of companies in Israel working Mm -hmm. in the the space. So I'm sure they will get the attention of the ISC. And it's always great to have your regulatory body for financial markets you know, openly come out and promote the adoption of security tokens. So that's really huge. Israel, I, I wish, you know, certainly the SEC here in the United States was a little bit more like that. Uh, and in fact, uh, while Israel is busy publicly promoting security tokens, the SEC is busy reinforcing them with two major updates I have for you folks listening here around two major ICOs. I'm talking about the Ripple's XRP, and of course, Telegram's ton tokens. Now, let's get started here with Telegram. Telegram uh, gave an update a couple episodes ago regarding the fact that their $1.7 billion ICO, by which is a, a Dubai-based messaging platform, is being investigated by the SEC, and the SEC itself has actually already halted an issue, a, a halt uh, for their issuance hmm. uh, of the tokens. So they're, they're saying, please don't do anything more until we uh, are able to investigate, and the, the company has not been very cooperative. And now we've got another update here where the SEC has filed pledging that there's new evidence uh, that a Telegram official said in an email calling the ton tokens securities, not once, (laughs) but twice. That's right. 
so in this email, specifically to a fund regarding their purchase, this, this Telegram official said, the fund has clear title to such securities, and then later on also mentioned that the securities are not pledged. So we're, we're talking about an email between a Telegram official to a fund their regarding investor. their investment <laughs> in their ICO. Referring and to then it referring as a to that. That's right. That's Jeez. right. Twice. Um, that is definitely some not pretty damning look. evidence. Uh, and, and, you know, whether this, you know, clear smoking gun has any effect or anything like that, the, the company is clearly now aware the ICO was a security sale and most likely has broken numerous securities violations with SEC as a result. It was a very global sale uh, and a very large $1.7 billion sale, right? So there's a lot of scope and scale here. And it's also trickier now because Telegram is also based out of Dubai. So you know, just being an international entity makes things slightly more complicated. Uh, and due to the size of this, we'll definitely be you know, watching this play out on the world stage and we'll be keeping you updated. Uh, hmm. But one thing is for sure is clear, Kyle. The SEC is convinced and definitely now has some evidence that ton tokens appear to be securities. Well, it also seems clear to me that if you're a company that was in this situation or if the SEC does come knocking, it is probably in your best interest to comply with them. As we saw with EOS, they raised a ton of money and just paid a small little fine and were able to pretty much move on with no headaches and no strings attached. Um, and this doesn't case, seem like the, the same process is going on with, with Telegram or with, I think, your next piece of news here with, with XRP. Yeah, no, definitely uh, Telegram has been at least openly in the news against uh, you know cooperation here with the SEC as much as possible. Of course, going back to the fact saying that it, it is not a, a uh, security sale. In fact, the company has gone as far as to actually remove native adoption on the Telegram platform <laughs> altogether, and they separated it out into a whole new ecosystem. So, you know, we'll end up seeing seeing what happens there, but none of it spell, spells like good news for uh, anyone who participated in that sale. And that might be the same as you are identifying for our next subject here with Ripple. And we've also gone into some detail several mm -hmm. episodes ago, uh, ago about why Ripple could be classified as a security. I highly recommend you go check it out. In fact, we, we first recognized Ripple as the one, or the case study as the one that may force the SEC to sort of define security tokens or at least define uh, cryptocurrency assets and the like because of a lawsuit by investors or purchasers, if you like, of XRP back in the original ICO days. And this time, we actually have a report pretty much outlining in full detail you know, what the Howey test is, why Ripple has been openly you know, uh, abusing that and definitely uh, falls a, a, as a security under the Howey test citing in fact that the CTO had multiple times said that the expectation for Ripple Labs is to grow and scale its operations from its ownership of XRP tokens growing in value over time and that they will do everything they can to, to create value adoption over time. This is the sort of natural <laughs> quote we've heard back in the ICO heyday where it's, hey, if, over if we get enough demand <laughs> by the community, it'll grow in value, right? Uh, in this case, this is you know, right to the T. The report goes on to show that Ripple Labs also owns you know, more than 60%, which can be seen as a market manipulative level, of course, uh, of tokens because they could dump them or create the supply 
issues. This is never a good thing per se, or definitely encourages the viewpoint of a security versus a, a cryptocurrency. And finally, they also goes, the report goes into really looking at uh, company insiders having made multiple sales of Ripple consistently for personal gain, which is yet another thing, of course, that the SEC frowns upon. Uh, and you know, the report was actually created by Mike Dudas, who is the CEO of The Block, mm-hmm. uh, a relatively well-known uh, cryptocurrency publication. And uh, you know, because of this lawsuit going on, uh, it, this might be another bombshell in the case or further evidence that, that will be used in the court to describe something. We're still waiting for more updates there. And for those of you who don't know, Ripple XRP is the world's third biggest cryptocurrency, currently sitting at a $10 billion market cap. So helping pretty much financial institutions use a private uh, cryptocurrency system to to make trades and things like that and settlement. But a reclassification of it to a security by the SEC would pretty much you know, destroy that business or at least spell serious, serious trouble for, for them moving forward. Certainly they couldn't trade on any exchanges anymore. Exactly. So that would, that would not be good. A lot of the value and a lot of the value proposition just simply gets destroyed. So there's a lot of emphasis on this lawsuit and this, you know, this is a really good report. So I, I forgot to mention earlier, but for those of you listening here, you can find any of the uh, articles or anything we discuss on the show in the about description of where you're listening to wherever on the podcast. So you can easily find what we're talking about and read while, while you're listening. Or you can also go to stomarket.com news where you can also catch up on the latest information that we're talking about here. Kyle, any final thoughts before we move on to this subject here regarding Ripple or Telegram? I honestly, I feel like we've beat a dead horse with this one. Um, we'll have to see what the what the the conclusion is. This is something that I just can see taking forever, and we'll just keep seeing headlines and headlines, and more stuff comes out, but no resolution happens. It could take years. It could take months. Who see? Who knows? I think that that uh, it can it can never hurt to when you're raising money to be fully compliant with the regulations in your jurisdiction. If you're an issuer listening, make sure that the money that you're taking is from investors that you've properly vetted and you've handled the proper um, compliance standards, both for your jurisdiction as well as that investor's jurisdiction. You need to make sure that both are satisfied. And that's about it. Just be careful. Raising money is not something you can take, can just do as a joke and say, oh, and you know, Retail investors especially, it's where it starts to get hairy is when you just take money from anybody, not you know verifying them, not necessarily making sure that they're qualified, especially here in the U.S. The SEC does not like that, and the SEC's got a big budget, so I don't think you want them on your tail. Well, the report claims that Ripple has sold over $360 million to the public, so <laughs> oh, if it is a security, that's, uh, that's a serious violation. Anyway, moving on, as you're right, uh, to some more good news here for the industry. Singapore licensed security token exchange iStocks has raised another $5 million in investments. Let's go. Yeah, this time from Korean firm Hanwha. Uh, This comes right off the heels of of another investment that they had uh, back in Q4 of $4.5 million from Tokai Tokyo Holdings. For those of you who don't know, the company is also backed by Singapore National Exchange, 
So congratulations to the iStocks team for, for onboarding more great investors, adding more capital uh, to their war chest here as things really start to heat up in 2020 for what is also, by the way, an end-to-end digital securities platform and exchange. Don't forget, we already reported a few episodes ago that Singapore and Asia was interested in tokenizing a lot of bonds, if I remember. I don't remember the exact figure, but we were talking about some serious dollars in fixed income instruments. So, HSBC, that's right. iStocks has some serious funding now. They're looking to launch an exchange. There's certainly the pieces seem to be coming together a little bit in Singapore and Asia, which is great, great Singapore is one of the leading security token ecosystems out of Asia, so we expect a a lot of activity in general. Great work. But going back here over to the U.S., we also saw that Watchdog Capital founder Bruce Fenton announced on Twitter that he had received a Series 7 under FINRA, Uh, under hanging with his license, of course, with his BD, Watchdog Capital. Watchdog Capital is one of the newest security token brokerage firms to enter the space. And it looks like Bruce is ready to rock because he said on Twitter that you can now call him the cyberpunk stockbroker. Love that. uh, He was a big contributor to Ravencoin, too, which is an issuance platform that we mentioned in the last episode. In a in that that represents kind of a decentralized issuance for security. So he he contributed a lot there. He's certainly been very involved in the space. Seems like a good guy. So excited to to have him really entering into the space full time. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, I'm sure we'll get more news from him soon. We also saw an announcement from the twelfth largest public blockchain, which is Cardano. Uh, Emergo, which is the commercial arm of Cardano, has announced that they're going to be working with Uzbekistan's National Agency of Project Management to establish a regulatory framework for security token offerings in Uzbekistan. Boom. The CEO, Ken Kodoma, of, uh, the CEO of Emergo here said that Uzbekistan today, more than ever, is open to innovation. It is a great honor to be able to work closely with the country's government officials to help derive the implementation of blockchain technology. We are glad to provide our advisory services to the Uzbekistan government to build essential blockchain infrastructure and support local universities to train future blockchain experts. A report also says, by the way, Kyle, that 30% of Uzbekistan is unbanked. Wow. So this shows a lot of promise, you know, both at the country's efforts in their goal to reduce that number, but it also shows a lot of opportunity for Cardano to, to bring in those solutions as well. Totally. So this, this marks the entrance of Uzbekistan into the STO industry, alongside Israel clearly being very uh, positive on mm-hmm. the promotion. And it's cool to do a, a kind of a quick breakdown, the, the kind of different approaches. We just saw Israel kind of do a promotion uh, to encourage local innovation. We've seen in the past other governments, specifically with different islands, leverage outside tech vendors Mm-hmm. to bring in uh, infrastructure and, Block and blockchain station. technology, Did such as Blockstation, mm-hmm. that's right. But then now we also have this example of public blockchains also trying to kind of, kind of, of course, you know, help get governments on, on the ground here with STOs and other financial infrastructure tools. So really, really cool, uh, great job uh, to really uh, Umergo uh, for, for getting that done. And it's, it's a pretty big deal to see how involved Cardano has been in the security token space. They've worked with Polymath. We've reported that before. And I don't know if that was that was Cardano's founder. That wasn't oh, Cardano. Okay, well then maybe I'm a little official mixed up. It's Charles Hoskins, right? So he so, so he was working with it. I, I I take that back. But regardless, we can say at least with 
with the news today that it is cool to see Cardano moving into the security token space. You know, they've got a market cap of over a billion dollars. So to see another kind of blockchain infrastructure player seeing the light a little bit in terms of, of the potential of the security token space and, and really they bring expertise that we need desperately, right? They, they've built a fantastic blockchain, presumably. I'm certainly no expert in necessarily that space, but to get some of these larger players with experienced dev teams to, to help with the tech, I think is fantastic and, and uh, will be very exciting to see moving forward. Yeah, we've seen other blockchains like Stellar and Tezos start to, to really focus on security tokens. So right. you know, we're really trying to see that trend. And speaking of, there's a, another issuance platform coming to market. They look like they're going to be choosing Ethereum, the most popular blockchain of choice for security tokens to date. Uh, and this time it's a company called Newshore Invest, which is based out of Germany. They're hoping to launch in Q1. But what's unique about Newshore Invest is that they're the first company to expose retail investors to ship finance STOs. So the way it works, Kyle, is Newshore facilitates and structures limited partnerships of single ship companies. So these are essentially entities representing the ownership of one trade ship. And then these security tokens, of course, utilize ERC-1400 smart contracts so that all its rights and obligations, according to the Articles of Association, are directly integrated within the tokens protocol. And the company has partnered with Oslo-based VC firm North Cape Capital, which historically has structured over $18 billion in lease financing for maritime and aviation wow. industry. So presumably, these STOs were, are going to be backed by an asset that already is on some kind of financial leasing term or deal uh, to help de-risk the opportunity. And so I think this is really cool because th this is definitely another example of an asset class that was previously locked up to, to financial institutions and private banks and the like. And also it's worth noting that this shows more promise again for Ethereum as well as continuing to still be a popular choice for, for issuers platforms coming to market. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing some SDOs come from this company to market. I hope they're successful. We also have news from Tokeny here, which is a, a leading issuance platform from Europe, announcing that they've released their on-chain ID, which is a decentralized investment ID system, which easily and compliantly identifies market players and their assets on the blockchain. Luke Falempin, who's the CEO of Tokeny, said that financial institutions, in order for them to move away from analog processes and step into the digital era, they need to be have reliable and compliant standards. Most of the protocols created for digital securities fail to recognize that identity, specifically across the value chain, is essential to apply compliance for the issuance and transfer of tokenized securities, and therefore on-chain ID and its open ecosystem is the most credible, secure, uh, most credible solution to securely and accurately identify market players and their assets on the blockchain. So uh, that's why they created on-chain ID. It's, a, 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 I believe, a, an even bigger upgrade to their previous version of the investor ID that they had launched. So congrats to the token team to creating that, that critical, tool, critical tool for their infrastructure there. Uh, I think we can expect more platforms and similar sort of universal investor ID solutions to, to come to market this year like it. And last but not least, we also have Smartlands announcing that they've hired the London Strategic Consulting firm to utilize their market analysis to better position the company for mainstream adoption of security tokens in the UK. 
So probably everyone listening here has not even heard of London Strategic Consulting, but it's worth sharing. It's very cool. It's a nonprofit consulting firm that's actually entirely student-run. So the LSC provides tracking and forecasting services to companies seeping deeper insights into their industries. And LSC is, of course, recognized that tokenized securities is one of those next major trends, specifically in the blockchain sector. And so they're going to be working with Smartlands to help them uh, with some research here. Hopefully and presumably they will release their research to the public. And I'm definitely looking forward to their work. And the idea, of course, with the relationship is to ultimately help Smartlands better position itself and, and disrupt the UK market with security tokens. So with that, that's all the news I have for everybody uh, listening. I'm going to end it here also with an event. There's an event coming up in London on February 4th and 5th, Security Tokens Realize, which is a, a popular series of security token events. They're doing their global awards for 2020, and you can actually still nominate till I believe it's the 29th. So you can nominate your favorite STO companies, specifically in the following categories, judges, favorite investment bank PE fund for embracing digital securities, the leading existing exchange and moving towards digitization of securities, the biggest contributor to leading institutional adoption of digital securities, which you can vote for STM for that one if you have no one to vote for, because we, we do like to believe we're helping people contribute uh, to, to this space. That would be awesome. Please. So please do. Of course, there's also most innovative use of tokenization, the most impactful use of digital securities, most promising STO, most progressive legal firm, and the leader in the creation of a secondary market for digital securities, aka top exchange. So we'll be sure to cover the winners of that when that goes out. And if you want to see that live, you can go check that out. Vote STM. Come on. You know you want to. We've been working hard <laughs> we, for a we long tried, time. Yeah. And with that, Kyle, I know you put a lot of work into these next few updates here, so I'll let you tell everybody here about the latest in, in STO news. Yeah, man, let's get right into it. So we've got one new STO. Obviously, we had the update. Wanted to give the shout-out to Grape, but, but I made them Company of the Week, so we talked about them earlier. The new security token that we can discuss today is from Medsys, M-E-D-S-I-S. Medsys is announcing an STO alongside their partner, the WTIA, which is the World Token Issuing Alliance, which is a, a consulting blockchain consulting firm. And so Medsys and the World Token Issuing Alliance created a joint venture called K-Financial. And K-Financial is launching a security token. And so that's, that's supposedly going to be going live in May, also based out of Singapore. We see another, another opportunity for Singapore wow. to take another lead. And Medsys has contracts in Brazil and Argentina, as well as all around the world. And they're an international payments processing company. And with their, they, they established the K Financial to encompass all of the Medsys payment programs. So uh, again, I'm not exactly sure what all of their contracts mean, but potentially they've got a bunch of different things, and they're launching this K-Financial as, as maybe a hold code to kind of represent all of their current business. And the STO seems to be structured as a revenue share token based off of what their press release sounds like, and it's going to be providing investors to the direct rights to more than $3 billion in projected revenue over their contract lengths. Wow. So 
Medsys making some serious moves. So we'll have to see a little bit more. They said in the press release the white paper is coming soon, so we don't quite have all of the terms yet or all the details, but if that's true, that's that's a pretty legit offering that's exciting. So very cool news. Congratulations to Medsys and the WTIA for, for launching this this uh, announcement, and we look forward to, to hearing more. Sounds like it's going to be a big STO for sure. Congratulations to everybody involved in that. I also have a little update. Um it seems like the Spencer Dinwiddie token hasn't gone live. We spent a lot of time reviewing that last week, and I've done a lot of research into both the, the website and their platform, as well as um, through all of the different media sources. And it seems like he announced that it was coming out, but it may have been delayed again because I don't think that I can invest through their platform. I don't think that anybody can participate. Um, and so... It's important to note, I think, unfortunately, it seems like maybe they're, they're still ironing some things out because it does seem odd that I haven't heard anything from him or his team or from anybody um, since that supposed launch just a, a week ago. And it was supposed to close on February 10th, so I have, the fact that we haven't heard anything yet seems kind of interesting. So I'll definitely keep you updated there as well. You know, we're huge cheerleaders of that STO. I know we're both fans. So I hope we hear some good news soon. That's all. I'll yeah, say. it's the middle of the NBA season. So I can see how it's tough, right? Like I think they wanted to try to get this thing done before the season started because understandably, I mean, Spencer's traveling to do all these, to, to play basketball. So, uh, and I'm sure the NBA as well is, is, quite over-encumbered right now with everything that goes along with, with the regular season. So um, I'm hopeful that we can get this thing live, but but I do, I'm starting to feel like there's maybe a chance that this thing doesn't go live until the off-season. We'll have to see. That's that's obviously based on nothing other than, than just an, an inkling. But either way, they're doing a great job. I love what he's doing. It's an awesome use case, and Spencer's a great guy. So keep you updated on that as we go. But moving forward into our market update, let's talk a little bit about secondary traded tokens. That's actually going to be most of the rest of this episode here. The first piece is, is with our what happened over the last week. And we saw a little bit of action, not a ton. The, the total STO market cap is at 76 million. So that's up 2% from the 73 and a half or so from last week. So we are seeing that upward trend continue through January. T0 is really leading the way. It shouldn't come as much of a surprise. They're really the only one that's getting consistent volume day after day. And T0 is up 8% this week. It, it hit a high as, of $1.73 on Thursday. And the market cap is, is at $44 million with strong trading volumes throughout the week as the price just continues that positive trend. I think that, that eight or nine days out of the 12 or 13 that we've seen here in January that the exchange has been open, the T0 has been trading in the black. So it's been up almost every day this whole month of January. So so that's fantastic. Hopefully uh, the investors are starting to get more excited. Maybe we're, we're due for some good news coming from them in, in the next few weeks. Well, so that's exciting. Regardless of that, things seem to be going pretty good for them starting in, in 2020. Yeah, it's a good 2020 for them. Unfortunately, there wasn't much volume from any of the other tokens really to, to really talk about. So... From there, I think it's time to move into the main topic. And so, as we've mentioned on the show before, Herwig and I launched Security Token Market about a year and a half ago to monitor the security token space all around the world. And recently, we went live on the platform with secondary trading prices to communicate the performance of these tokens of the growing basket of them to our users. We're up to nine now. And so as, a secure, as the CEO of Security Token Market, I spend a ton of my time with the research team logging the trading values and tracking the market. 
And so due to my expertise now in this field, just due to the sheer amount of time that we've spent in the industry, I figured that it would be a great opportunity for me to publish a detailed market analysis of all of the live security tokens in the market, detailing a background on each one, what each token represents in its underlying asset, and how that token performed on the secondary markets over the last 12 months. There's probably no one more qualified in the entire space than you, Kyle, to talk <laughs> on this subject. Uh, it's an incredible report that you, you put together. I appreciate that. And so, yeah, during my research, I actually found out that some of the exchanges don't actually even publish the token's price history. So Open Finance, for example, only shows the last 25 trades regardless of the time period. So for some of the more active tokens, an investor might not even be able to find out information regarding the historical performance from even a few months ago, let alone to find its, its 52-week highs or lows or, or anything like that, even just to see the graph. And so after realizing that and seeing it, I only felt more obligated that I needed to publish a evaluative report because it really is one of the only true historical records that we can reliably use in the security token industry when evaluating these assets in 2019. So uh, with, from now on, on top of, of launching this, this I, I launched a huge report. It's about 25 to 30 pages, and uh, I published that on Medium, and I've and, and, uh, been going hard on the socials about that. So definitely go check it out if you're interested. It is quite a, it's quite a hefty read, so you may want to do it in parts, or if you're interested in, in a specific token, definitely go check it out. But on top of that, from now on, Security Token Market is going to be publishing monthly market overviews that are going to be kind of just a light review uh, on the first Monday of every month on the medium. And, and that ensures that from here on out, we're going to set the record straight and make sure that everyone has access to this information. And it's also important to add that all historical daily trading for most of 2019 for every token is available on our site, stomarket.com, for anyone to access for free. So you go on stomarket.com and you go to the trading section, you can see the historical trading price, the open and close, the highs and lows, the volumes, the market cap, and the supply of every token since way early in 2019 when we started recording this stuff. It's, it, again, it isn't fully absolutely complete because I wasn't able to get the data from before when we were actually tracking it. But uh, since I think March for most of the tokens, we've got full data. So definitely go check that out if you want to see it because it really may be one of the only places that you can reliably find that data right now. Well, Kyle, I think you're killing us with anticipation. What do you got for us? Tell us. Tell Let's, us the, yeah. the good stuff, the highlights. I'm excited. Let's get into it. So First off, we'll do just a little overview on the market. Just the security token market in general, as we said, we've got nine live tokens now. And when we opened 2019, the market cap was 229 million US dollars. And at this time, it was actually one token. It was the T0 token, which was sold on primary, uh, in the primary offering for about $10 a share. So we're at 170 right now, which is great, and it's trending upwards. But as you can see, it, it hasn't been the best 12 months for T0's absolute token, but uh, in, in absolute value. But the last market cap, the most recent market cap that we have as, as of, of recording is around $76 million, as I mentioned already. So the change in, in 2019 was minus 67%, which isn't great. But again, I think that we may be in a much more stable and healthier market at this point. Certainly now it's diversified across nine tokens instead of just one asset setting the entire market cap. And, 
And so that I think that, again, the positive trends are really good to look at. In terms of total volume, we've got about two and a half million U.S. dollars in total security token traded volume across the year and across all security tokens. That includes all nine throughout uh, all the way up until, until January 19th was the day that I decided to cut off um, the, the report. So that leaves us with a monthly average volume of around 215,000 US dollars in trading across those tokens. And finally, a daily average volume of about $7,000 in, in trading volume for tokens across all of the different tokens. But again, I will say that just like with the market cap being highly dominated by T0, even to date with it being 44 of the 76 million, it also significantly dominates the trading volume. T0 probably averages, I would say, three to 5,000, if not more, on a daily basis. So it is probably doing just, I would say, a, a maybe even more proportional volume than it is in market cap to these securities. So um, T0 is, is still the dominant player, but we are seeing some very interesting assets that, that are, are going live as well on other exchanges. But I want to take the time. I, I spent the report really detailing every asset. I wanted to talk about the overview, its origins, as well as the underlying asset, what that actually means, like what are you actually investing in when we're talking about these things, as well as the, its secondary performance. But I'm just going to highlight a few of them for the podcast. I've got three that I wanted to look at specifically that, that stuck out to me this year, for better or for worse in some cases. So the largest token by, by market cap on open finance, and I think the earliest issue issued token in the industry is blockchain capital, which issued its BCAP token that represents indirect economic interest in the limited partner ownership of $10 million of their $50 million focused blockchain fund. So they launched a fund, they, they first launched their first fund I think in 2013 and, and launched their third fund in 2017, which they tokenized $10 million of their $50 million portfolio. And it represents indirect limited partner ownership. And so what that means is, is that due to some early legal question marks when they were actually first tokenizing the fund, it only provides the indirect economic interest. And that essentially means that when a portfolio company that they own exits, blockchain capital itself receives the full return and then will buy back the corresponding dollar value of the outstanding tokens on the secondary market and then will burn them, removing those tokens permanently from the outstanding supply. So this, in turn, would increase the price, therefore, in theory, providing their investors with the capital gains. So this is not completely intuitive, right? When you're thinking about something that would be the most intuitive, it would be something like a Spice VC, which is a direct economic LP interest. And that essentially means when they get an exit, it's paid to dividends to the token holders, and they just get the, get the return right there. Unfortunately, or from what my research, it seemed like it wasn't very clear whether the, maybe the technology wasn't there to do dividends yet. Maybe they were, they were, there were some legal questions that seemed like potentially around what they could and couldn't do. So they came up with this model of when they get an exit, they've got a, a fat stack of cash, and then they'll use that cash in a proportional amount to how much the token holders have. I guess it would be 20% and take 20% of that buy tokens and then burn them. Um, and burning, again, just means removing them permanently from the supply. So supply and demand would then increase. And so blockchain capital, what, the thing I really like about blockchain capital is actually how successful they've been in their investments. And so if you know about investing, part of the, the difficulty is actually getting in on really successful rounds. And so what we've seen with blockchain capital's investments so far, they've got four unicorns in their portfolio, which are companies over a billion dollars with Kraken, Coinbase, Circle, and Ripple. Other leading security token companies are also in their portfolio, like Securitize and Harbor. 
And we've seen the portfolio, the portfolio is up 230% since its launch in 2017, which is a, a great, great start. And the token is up 51% in 2019 alone uh, since hitting secondary markets. So the token is up. It, things seem to be going very well for everyone. And blockchain capital, I think, is a fantastic model for capital raise and deployment. And, and while I know that investors would, would probably prefer the direct economic interest in the fund, I can't really blame BCAP for that because I know that there was some uncertainty and, and certainly things are clearer, much clearer now than they were in 2017. But in any case, they have cultivated a very strong investment portfolio and their token is following suit. So it does seem like the structure is working just as intended. Yeah, those definitely, I, I think, you, good analysis on BCAP there, Kyle. I think most people don't re recognize that it does have a bit of a unique structure, so I think they appreciate the illustration there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they do have a great portfolio. So the, the fact is, if you wanted to, you could go to Open Finance today and, and go buy yourself some BCAP. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you could. It's, it's, a, it's a revolutionary product to be able to provide that for investors. You can buy in now as you've seen them invest in their tokens. And now you're like, okay, I think these are great companies. Now I want to buy in um, versus if you wanted to, to sell now. If you were an investor that said, okay, look, I think that the portfolio is up 230. I don't want to wait for another bunch of years for this company to exit. I'm just going to take my 51% profit in 2019 and be happy with it. Either way, I can totally understand and I, I think you mentioned in more detail in your actual report as well that they do release a quarterly NAV and such mm -hmm. as well. So there are some, some good investor reporting practices. That they give they, great they breakdowns. Well. I think they of all of the funds, I think that, that Blockchain Capital gives the, the most transparent view into what what not only what they own, but they actually give the dollar value of the equity value of the, the uh, companies that they own, which I think is fantastic and something that we haven't seen from any other token yet. So De definitely a, a great case study of 2019. Very cool, uh, Kyle. Absolutely. And now we're going to take a, a, a different turn. We're going to stick with Open Finance, the exchange, but we're going to talk about a revenue share token listed, which is Lottery.com's LDCC token. And so as I was doing my research, the Lottery.com token kind of left me scratching my head a little bit. Because they raised money in their initial offering based off the launch of a new raffle that they were calling the Global Impact Raffle. And token investors that wanted to participate were entitled with 7% of the net revenue of that raffle. However, two years later, the raffle still has not launched and I haven't been able to find any news that has come out since 2018. So I haven't seen any updates on this raffle, on the progress. It doesn't seem like there's, there's a whole lot of focus on it at all. And so as an investor, a couple of years later, that, that would be something that's slightly concerning. Definitely do your own research before investing in any of these tokens to anyone listening. None of this is financial advice in any means. Uh, do your own research for sure. But after diving into the price data, doing my own research, I also saw some fishy transaction data with the token as well. Uh, across this two-month period, the trading occurred over nine separate days. And in this span, there were over 40,000 LDCC tokens that were sold between 10 and 30 cents, while there were 153 tokens that were bought between 67 and 87 cents. So I'm going to say that again, 40,000 were sold at, at 10 to 30 and there were 153 bought between 67 and 87, and there was nothing in between. Less than 1%. Well, yes, less than 1%. much less than 1% were bought, but at a, at a significantly higher multiple. And so I could see that sellers were selling thousands of tokens per day, or per transaction rather, at a huge discount. 
But then immediately following these really large sell-offs, there would be one token purchased at a tremendous premium. And it literally occurred eight or nine transactions in a row between October 25th to December 24th. There were, I think, nine transactions of, of thousands of sold LDCC tokens at 10 to 15 cents, and then one purchased at 87 or one purchased at 67 following this huge sell-off. And it's a pretty misleading tactic. I don't know exactly what happened there. I'm certainly not accusing anybody of anything, but at the very least, it's concerning for the liquidity of the token. Uh, just because there, there's no indication of the promise raffle. And it also seems like there's very shaky market support. It doesn't seem like there's many people buying the token at all. And it also seems like there's a lot of people selling the token. And then there's these kind of weird premium buys that are happening. And again, I'm not calling it, I'm not necessarily saying anything, you know, about that, but it's very, it's very, um, peculiar, I think for sure to, to see that, uh, it doesn't seem like that that's a, a natural market consequence. Um, but again, make your own conclusions, do your own research. Uh, but I think one thing's for sure, the team at Lottery.com really does need to address token holders to explain their objectives and their plan for 2020, because at the very least, like, what, what's the deal with the raffle? Like, if you bought in, you, you, you know, there's nothing. There's, there's no indication that this is moving forward. So um, that, that's definitely one to, to, you know, look out for. Yeah, it's tough to explain that one, Kyle. I, I don't know much to, to say there other than, you know, this could be investors, this could be market, this could be the issuer. We have no idea. Uh, definitely hope to not see that kind of things happen. But, you know, I'd love to figure out why that's actually happening just to get a little bit more context and understand why, why this could be happening. Yeah, I'd be happy to dive into the full transactional data and, and really look into it more and clarify. But again, we, we can only go with the data that, that me and my team have been able to find. And, and without being able to provide us with, with the information to be sure, this is, this is what we have. So this is what we're going to go with. So, um, Okay, so we got a, a great token and maybe not such a great token there in terms of examples. What else you got? Well, the last one is, that I like to explore is the three newest tokens to hit secondary markets. And these are three tokens that, from an issuance platform that we certainly have talked about quite a bit over the last couple of months. And that's the three realty properties. And so two of them are single family homes and one is a 15 unit apartment complex. And all three are based in Detroit, Michigan. And it's very interesting. What they did is that this company owns the full equity value of these homes. They did some renovations to the properties, spiffed them up all, all nice and good. And then what they did is they tokenized their LLC that owned each property. So they have a property, they own it with an LLC, an individual LLC that owns that property. And then that LLC is then tokenized into 750, 1,000, or 3,800 shares, depending on the property. But that LLC is divided into some shares, and then that, those shares are sold fully to investors. So of the 750 shares, they're all sold out on, on a specific property. And, and the interesting thing with, with how this functions is that the token represents equity ownership in the property. Obviously, you own, you own a piece of the LLC that owns the house. So you own a piece of the house, you own land, and as that, that increases in value, the equity value of your home would increase. But on top of that, they actually pay a daily dividend of the rental income of whoever is renting the property. So they have a third-party 
property manager that actually rents out the home to, to a family or multiple families in some cases. And then that rental income is then translated back to investors on top of the equity value of the token paid daily every morning you wake up and see your, your rental income is, is in the bank account. And so all three properties actually provide double-digit dividend returns on an annualized basis. So you're getting double digits in dividends and you're getting the exposure to the equity value. And the fact that these tokens or these properties provide these investors or token holders with the equity value in addition to the double digit dividends each year, I think is really fantastic because it's great to see issuers creating really fantastic instruments and that they're not just looking to screw over investors, like what we saw in the crypto scene a lot, right? Of, oh, buy this token because it's going to do X, Y, and Z, and then it falls through in a lot of cases. And so it's cool to see a real asset that's that's been very successful. They sold out a few of their properties. They've been very successful in the secondary markets, even though they haven't been liquid for very long now. And I think this is, again, another fantastic use case. Real estate is a huge, huge industry. And, and this is a, a very re repeatable model for any, any homeowner, any multi-property owner who wants to, to do something like this could absolutely do it the exact same way that Realty does. And, and uh, I think that the malleability and the opportunity for anyone to, to, to follow a similar structure and, and provide this for their investors, I think is great. So I'm excited about those ones too. Love, love, love this model, Kyle. It's the simplest, easiest way for an investor to access the real estate asset class while at the same time getting many technology benefits from using uh, cryptocurrency, from using blockchain, and from using security tokens throughout this process. So super, super cool. I love this model. In fact, it's also, as I understand it, partnered with a decentralized exchange to help create uh, liquidity for these, these tokens as well. So again, uh, a very cool model to, to discuss as well. Thanks for sharing, Kyle. Absolutely, man. But that, I think that's about it for me. Uh, if you do want to read the detailed report, I go into much more about these three tokens or these, these I guess, five tokens, as well as the other live ones that include Spice VC, Batch 22X, Protos Asset Management, as well as T0. So if you want to check out any of that, definitely go check out my report in the description or I'm loud on socials. So if you find me on Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook, it's all there. So check it out anywhere you want. And uh, that's about it for me. Give us your feedback. Share with us. Engage with us. Check it all out on stomarket.com. And uh, hopefully we'll catch you next time. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next week.